Merry Christmas. My name is Dave Farley. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Christian Fellowship. If this is your first time attending Grace Christian Fellowship, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Tonight we gather to celebrate a spectacular miracle, God Almighty taking on flesh to save us. Please stand for this evening's call to worship. Our call to worship comes from the book of Isaiah, written 700 years before the birth of Christ. And Isaiah says this, describing the coming Savior. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for coming. Thank you for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising from the grave. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would descend upon us and help us to worship our great King, Jesus Christ, this evening. We pray that we would be transformed as we think about the birth of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And while they were there, it came time for her to give birth. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth.
Oh 
Christ the King who shed 
text this evening is Philippians 2, verses 4 to 11. The Apostle Paul writes this, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Please bow your heads in prayer with me. Father, we thank you once again for Jesus. We thank you for giving us so many reasons to sing this evening. Father, we thank you for giving us your holy, inspired, all-sufficient, life-giving, truthful word. Father, we pray this evening as we take a few moments to meditate on the incarnation that you would open our eyes once again to the glory of Christ. Father, we pray that this Christmas season we would be most excited about the birth of Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. In life, there is always a ladder to climb, isn't there? Think about when you first start out, you start out probably renting an apartment with some of your friends. Save a little money, you climb a little higher, and you rent a three-bedroom apartment. 
save a little more money, climb a little higher, and you buy your first condo. Save some more money, climb a little higher, and you buy your first house. Three bedroom, two bath. Save some more money, climb even higher, and you buy a five bedroom, three bath house. Then when your kids finally leave, you climb a little higher, and you buy your dream house. Think about the guy who's the football star in high school. He works really hard, climbs a little higher, he goes from JV to varsity. Keeps working hard, climbs a little higher, and goes from varsity to Division I football. Works a little harder, climbs a little higher, he gets drafted by the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks. Hopefully he's awesome at defense work a little harder, climb a little higher, and he gets voted into the Pro Bowl. But there's higher to climb. When his career is over, he climbs a little higher and makes it into the NFL Hall of Fame. Think about shoes for a moment. You start out with some Payless or thrift store or Walmart shoes. You climb a little higher. You get your first pair of Reeboks. Climb a little higher, you get your first pair of Adidas shoes. Climb a little higher, and you get your first pair of Jordans. Climb even higher, and you get your first pair of Red Wing boots. Cost, 350 bucks. But there's higher to climb. As you keep climbing, you finally get that pair of Knicks boots built right here in Spokane for a measly $600. Now, the higher we climb, the more status we feel. And status feels good, doesn't it? Or is it just me? Status feels good, doesn't it? There's a few honest people out there this evening. (laughs) Now, instead of climbing up the ladder, Christ did the exact opposite at Christmas. He climbed down the ladder. What does that mean and why does it matter? Two points this evening. Descending the Christmas ladder and then ascending the Christmas ladder. First, descending the Christmas ladder. To understand how low Christ descended on this ladder, we have to understand where he started. He began at the very top of the ladder. Philippians 2, 5, and 6, Paul says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. According to verse 6, prior to the incarnation, Christ was in the form, Greek, morphe, of God. That means that Christ was the exact nature with God, which means that Jesus Christ is equal with God the Father in every way which means there is nowhere higher for him to start on the ladder. He's at the very top. In verse 6, we read that Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, what in the world does that mean? One scholar says this about that tricky phrase. In every instance, this idiomatic expression refers to something already present and at one's disposal. So the question is not whether one possesses something, but whether one chooses to exploit something. Paul's point is simply this. Jesus was God, but he chose not to exploit his position as God for his own advantage. 
He is fully divine. Again, equal with the Father and the Spirit, which means that he's the very one who spoke and literally hundreds of billions of galaxies came into existence out of nothing. Right now, Jesus knows all things actual and all things possible. He knows all the options you could have had for breakfast this morning. He's omniscient. He's also everywhere present in creation. He's God. He's fully divine, which means he began at the very top of the ladder. Now, the true story is told of a seminary in Australia that was having a major cash flow crisis. So to save money, the seminary asked all the students to consider signing up for jobs to keep the seminary clean, which would supposedly save the seminary all kinds of money. So a sheet went out. Students signed up for all kinds of jobs around the seminary. But there was one job that no student decided to sign up for because it was the lowliest, dirtiest, most demeaning job imaginable. Guess what it was? Cleaning all the toilets in the seminary. Even though no one signed up for this disgusting job, somehow the toilets remained clean for weeks and no one knew how these toilets were miraculously staying clean. But then one morning, a lowly student was walking around the basement of the seminary and to his great shock and surprise, he saw none other than the president of the seminary on his hands and knees, scrubbing the toilets. Now, what makes this so amazing is that the seminary, the, the, the seminary president was the most prestigious person in the entire institution. He was the top dog. He had the most power, the most authority, and the most privilege, yet he lowered himself, climbed down the ladder, and did the most disgusting, dirty job. He cleaned the toilets with a scrub brush. His high and exalted status at the top of the ladder makes his lowly service seem unfathomable. Yet, how much higher did Christ begin on the ladder? And how much lower did Christ stoop? Christ starts at the very top of the ladder. But next, Christ took a billion steps down the ladder. Imagine this ladder with billions, maybe trillions of steps. Christ takes a billion steps down by taking on flesh. Look with me at Philippians 2, 7 and 8. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Now, during the early part of the 20th century, Several liberal scholars had a heyday with this phrase, emptied himself. They developed what is called the kenosis theory of the person of Christ. That word kenosis uh, comes from the word empty in Greek. They taught that this particular verse means that Christ emptied himself of his divine nature when he took on flesh. Now, this theory has been disproved for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, many other texts in the New Testament clearly say that Jesus Christ is divine. So what does it mean that Christ emptied himself when he took on flesh? All that means is that Christ emptied himself of the rights and privileges of his divine nature when he came to earth. 
He remained God and added to his divine nature a human nature. He took a billion steps down. Now, what's amazing about this verse is that Christ did not begin his life as a mature adult. The Apostle Paul emphasizes the fact that he was born in the likeness of men. Now, that word born refers to the utter scandal of Christmas. Stop and ponder this for a moment. God Almighty, the maker of all things, became a baby, an infant. Is there anything more helpless than an infant? No. With other mothers, babies die. Babies depend on their moms and their dads, but mostly their moms, let's be honest, for everything, clothing, food, diapers. Parents must protect their small children from danger, crawling downstairs, crawling off cliffs, crawling into pools, eating nails, putting their fingers in light sockets. Infants are very vulnerable to all kinds of danger. Plus, parents must teach their kids everything since they know nothing. Now, ponder this for a moment. Jesus Christ in his human nature had to learn things from his mother. He had to learn how to eat and drink and control his bladder and eventually read and work. In Christ's divine nature, he knew all things. But in his human nature, he had to learn things. Jesus Christ is two distinct natures in one person. Furthermore, consider the humble circumstances of Christ's birth. He was not born in Sacred Heart Hospital with doctors and nurses and the latest life-saving technology a few feet away. He deserved the best hospitals in the world, the best doctors, the best nurses in the history of the world, yet he was born in a dirty, unsterilized stable with manure everywhere. The only sound was the sound of chickens and pigs and cows. In addition, he was born in the lowly town of Bethlehem, population at the time of Christ, probably two to 300 people. Bethlehem makes Deer Park, Washington seem like a booming metropolis. He was born in a teeny tiny corner in a vast empire, and no one knew what was happening, except for a few lowly shepherds. Finally, his mother was a pariah, exiled because she was considered sexually unclean, even though she wasn't. Christ stepped down, down, down the ladder by taking on flesh. Which raises the question, could Christ step any lower could he go lower down the ladder? And the amazing answer is, yes, he kept stepping down. Began at the top of the ladder, took a billion steps down when he took on flesh, then took a billion more steps down when he suffered and died on a cross. Look with me at Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here Christ's descent bottoms out. It's impossible to go any lower than the cross. One scholar says this about the cross. 
Crucifixion was the ultimate disgrace. A public statement by Rome that the crucified one was beyond contempt. No other form of death, no matter how prolonged or physically agonizing, could match crucifixion as an absolute destruction of the person. It was the ultimate counterpoint to the divine majesty of the pre-existent Christ. But before the crucifixion, Christ was whipped, beaten, mocked, spit on. His back was a bruised and bloody mess. A lot of folks would die simply from that before crucifixion. But worse than the physical pain of crucifixion was the pain that our Savior experienced on the cross when he took upon his own innocent shoulders the guilt of all those who would put their hope and confidence in him. And in that moment on the cross, when all of our guilt was placed on him, he cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason God the Father forsook his only son was because in that astonishing moment, the guilt of all of our sins was placed on Jesus, which means, currently, if you are trusting Jesus Christ alone to save you, there is no guilt remaining for you. It was all placed on Jesus because of Christmas and the crucifixion. And by the way, the crucifixion reminds us that our sin is so bad that it deserves crucifixion. But Jesus Christ in his humility suffered and died on the cross in our place. It's nearly impossible to climb lower than the crucifixion. Now when I was in junior high many, many years ago, I bought a season pass to the Ice Palace in downtown Spokane. Went down there most Saturdays to skate with my friends Every Saturday, they had a limbo contest on the ice, and because I was about four feet tall, I was kind of a big deal in the Ice Palace limbo world. And here's the way it worked. They'd hold up the limbo bar about this tall, and everyone would skate there. If you touched the bar, you were out. And the, the bar would go lower and lower and lower. Five feet, four and a half feet. Can it go any lower? Yes, four feet. Then three and a half feet, all the kids would skate through. Everyone who touched was kicked out. Three feet, two and a half feet, two feet. The question was, how low can someone go? How low would Christ go? It's impossible to go any lower than the crucifixion. And Christmas makes the crucifixion possible. Now at this point, we must ask ourselves an important question. Why did the Apostle Paul pen the words of Philippians 2, 3 through 11? Why is this text here in the Bible? Because the Apostle Paul wants us to imitate Christ's example of descending down the Christmas ladder. Again, listen to the text. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Apostle Paul wants us to imitate Christ's incredible example of climbing down the ladder, lower and lower and lower to serve those around us. What does this look like? It means running to the dirtiest and nastiest jobs we can think of. Several weeks ago, one of my kids was sick, and he developed croup, so he couldn't breathe. And when he couldn't breathe, he would gag. When he would gag, he would throw up. Now, I don't know about you, but I think the worst part of being a parent, by far, is cleaning up puke. I would say to my kids when they were younger, if, if you can just make it to the toilet, I will give you an hour of video game time. So, two and a half weeks ago, I'm lying in bed with my wife, two o'clock in the morning, and I hear the telltale signs. I hear the coughing, and then I hear the vomiting, and then I hear the splatter. In that moment, I had a choice. I thought, I'm about to preach on Philippians 2, 3 to 11. You're probably wondering what happened. Well, I don't want to brag, so I'm not going to tell you what happened. Actually, I think my wife got up and took care of it. I mean, I was right behind her. I mean, I was, you know, like a few feet behind her. Philippians 2 exhorts us to climb down the ladder like Jesus. Volunteering for the shift at work that no one wants. Doing that huge stack of dishes for your dirty slothful roommate, playing board games with your wife when the big game is on, giving away that money that you think you need, volunteering to shovel the driveway for an elderly neighbor or your parents without pay. When was the last time you volunteered for humble, lowly service? When was the last time you volunteered to descend down the latter. Well, why else did Paul pen the words of Philippians 2, 6 to 8? Not only is Jesus Christ our example of descending down the ladder, he is also, more importantly, our Savior, because none of us meet this standard. And God requires perfection from all of us. He requires that all of us obey his law perfectly, which includes lowering ourselves, humbling ourselves, and serving others. None of us meets the standard, but thankfully, Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. He was constantly looking to the needs of others, and on the cross, he considered your needs much more important than his own needs. Lived a perfect life in your place, died on the cross for your sins, so that all of your guilt, including the guilt of pride, the opposite of humble, lowly service, could be forgiven. Now, who gets to be forgiven? Only those who admit that they're sinners. Only those who say, God, I confess. I do not run towards lowly, humble service. 
forgive me. Take control of my life and help me serve those around me. Only those who humble themselves and ask God for forgiveness will be forgiven and reconciled to God Almighty and have the joy of experiencing relationship with God. Which raises the question, have you done that? Have you humbled yourself, made a decision to put all your hope and confidence in Jesus Christ to forgive you and reconcile you to himself? Maybe you're thinking at this point, Dave, I want to step down. I want to climb down the ladder, but I'm often unmotivated. What's going to help me? That brings us to the second point. So first is descending down the Christmas ladder. Second is ascending up the Christmas ladder. What happens to those who descend the ladder? Answer, God exalts them. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore, in light of Christ's incredible step down, in light of the billions of steps he took down, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Because Christ humbled himself, because Christ took so many steps down, God the Father has exalted him to the highest place and given the name that is above every name, that is the name of Yahweh, the name Lord. And because of that, at some point in the future, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow before King Jesus. Because he descended so low, he now receives the highest honor. God is constantly exalting those who humble themselves. Because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, because of Christ's lowly service, he's been exalted by God the Father. And the same holds true for you and me. When we we make decisions on a regular basis to descend down the ladder and humble ourselves, and run towards the lowliest, dirtiest jobs, God exalts us. Maybe not in this life, but surely in the life to come. Christmas is a great reminder that those who descend the ladder, those who humble themselves like Christ in the incarnation and then at the cross, will eventually be exalted. So I hope and pray that this Christmas season, As you think about the incarnation, the birth of Christ, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, that you'll be motivated to run towards humble, lowly, dirty service. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ and his incredible example of humble, lowly service. Lord, it's hard to imagine Christ stooping any lower than the incarnation and the cross. Father, we confess that none of us meet this standard. We all fall short. We all serve ourselves. We are all filled with pride. Lord, help us to be like Jesus. Help us to humble ourselves. But more importantly, help us to trust him as the perfect Savior who forgives us again and again and again when we don't humble ourselves and serve others. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. In just a moment, we're going to light candles. Now, why do we light candles this time of year? We do it to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read a quote from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah tells us that Jesus will come and bring light into the world. Matthew 4, 15 to 16 says this, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, People dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the, sh- the region and, and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Then in John chapter 1, verses 3 and 5, John writes, all things were made through him, and without him was on anything made that was made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ came to bring light into this dark world, the light of forgiveness and reconciliation with God. Darkness has ruined the world, but Christ came to shed light, gospel light, joyous light, the light of love to all those who trust in him. And as more and more people accept Christ's offer of forgiveness, light spreads across the globe. So as the light spreads across this dark room this evening, remember that the light of Christ is spreading across our dark world. Please stand with me and have your candles ready.
Let's pray once again. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the light that he brings into our lives. Lord, help us to shed that light into the lives of others this Christmas season. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you